This is Real Estate Rookie, episode 128. We are here to talk to you guys about real estate investing and how to get started as a rookie investor, whether you are brand new or have your first couple deals. Tony and I, my wonderful co-host, want to help you break down what strategy, how to invest and what to do to get started. Tony, what is going on today? Ashley Care, what's going on? What a wonderful introduction for all of the first time listeners here to, to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast. I love how you broke that down. But no, today's a good day, Ash. It's a beautiful morning here in SoCal. It's actually been raining like the past like four days, which is rare for us. And the sun finally broke, so we got a beautiful day coming out. But um, yeah, what, what's what's new in your neck of the woods? I think we need to set a ground rule, first of all, that starting now until spring, we can't talk about weather because it's just going to make me depressed <laughs> talking about your weather compared to my snowy Buffalo weather every day. But, uh, it's literally going to be like 96 and sunny all day today. And we're, we're like in the thick of fall right now. I actually do like winter, though. Like I do like that we have all different seasons. I went and I got all my snowboard gear. So I am ready for the snow to fall this year. If I ever moved to Buffalo, I would be like on house arrest from like fall until springtime. Like I can't imagine having to like bundle up to go like grocery shopping or like shoveling snow to get out of your house. So I would, I would just give up. I'd stay home all season. Well, they have Instacart, so you don't have, you can get your groceries delivered and then you just marry a husband who does the snow shoveling for you. <laughs> there you go. That, that was always my backup plan is, is marry the right husband. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. But you could also outsource snow plowing. But I love those snowy days where it's just every, you stay inside. You don't have to go anywhere. Everything shuts down. Okay, so on with the episode, enough with the weather. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent retirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, 
This is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Today, Tony and I started talking before we actually started recording and kind of updating each other on the deals that we have going on. And there's kind of a bunch of useful information, a bunch of struggles we're going through. So we actually thought we could turn it into an episode for you guys and you guys can see me, listen to me, have a mental breakdown. Live. <laughs> <laughs> so Ash, maybe, uh, maybe before we jump into kind of what deals we're kind of working on, it might be helpful to give the listeners an idea of, of what our bigger goals are that are driving some of these deals that we're looking at. So why don't you go first? What's the current big goal you've got for yourself? And I'll share mine afterwards. Okay. So my big focus right now are campgrounds, RV parks. So not mobile home parks, but campgrounds. And then to kind of build a little capital to purchase these properties, I am doing uh, cabins, I guess, per se. So I'm buying small pieces of land, small parcels, like three to 10 acres. And I know that may not sound small (laughs) to you, but for a cabin out here in the country, that is a a small lot. And then we are going to rehab them and then flip some of them to uh, people who live in the city that want to have that place to get away. Our focus is going to be uh, near state land so that you can go and hunt, you can hike, you can do whatever on that land. And then you have your little cabin to go back to. Also, we have a lot of little ski resorts around near us too. So that's are the my two main focuses right now. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, and what amazing transition. You know, you and I talked earlier in the year about how both of us were a little uncertain of what the future looked like. And uh, just like recently, I feel like we both kind of figured out what that looks like, at least to, to a, le- a lesser extent. So, yeah, my goals as we move forward are continuing in the vacation rental space. We're going to continue to buy single family residences and use those as short term rentals, but we'll probably slow down our acquisition a bit to maybe four, I'm saying slow down, maybe like four or five, four to like six a year is probably what we're, we're going to try and do at this point. But the bigger goal for us is to start moving into the larger commercial space. So we want to start acquiring boutique motels and hotels. So buying up like some old mom and pop hotels, renovating them, you know, making them trendy, new 2021, 2022 standards, and still leverage Airbnb and Verbal as a platform to drive a lot of the, the guests that stay there. So definitely a kind of a, a graduation from where we've been uh, the past like year and a half or so. But I'm excited to, to kind of dive in and make it happen. Awesome. So tell us about what deals you have going on right now, what you're looking at. 
Yeah. So we've got two properties we closed on last week. <laughs> one was a house in Joshua Tree. One was a cabin in the Smoky Mountains. We actually just closed today on another cabin in the Smoky Mountains. And then we've got two more single family houses in Joshua Tree that will be closing on at the end of the month. And all those will be short term rentals in, in both of those markets. But we're also actively underwriting deals in the commercial motel space. So there's an asset in Utah near Zion National Park that we're looking at. There's an asset in uh, the Forgotten Coast in Florida, which is another kind of heavy vacation rental market uh, that we're looking at. And then there's one that I'm actually really, really excited about that's uh, in Blue Ridge. It's got multiple cabins on there, but it also has a wedding venue, which is way out of all our ballpark. You know, we've never done anything like that before, but if we can make the numbers work, I think that one might be the one I'm most excited about because it comes with five cabins, a private lake, this really cool wedding venue. And then I think it sits on like 20 acres, which gives us more space to develop as well. So we'll see if we can make any of those deals actually, actually pencil out. That's so exciting. And that sounds similar to one deal I have uh, that I'm trying to work on now too. But the wedding venue space is so interesting to me. I like the model of they pay just for the venue and you're bringing in your own caterers, you're bringing in your own bartenders that have the liquor license. So all they're paying is for a flat fee and then maybe a wedding coordinator that helps them just figure out their setup and where everybody has to go when the vendors do arrive. And it kind of takes a lot of having to manage the event and having a a ton of employees such as running the catering company in-house too. You took the words out of my mouth, Ashley. So like we called the the listing broker who was actually also the owner. Uh, so he's a, a commercial broker, but he owned this property himself. And he said he and his wife were like actually providing all of the services. So they were, they were not just providing the venue, but they were acting as the event planner coordinator as well. And he said they were just kind of burned out from that whole model. So when Sarah and I, my wife spoke about it, our plan was exactly what you said, where we just give you the space. And then from there, you figure everything else out because we don't want to be in the, you know, I don't want angry brides calling me, you know, talking about <laughs> why can't I figure this out? So our goal, if we do move forward with that would be just to run out the space and let them kind of figure everything else out. Yeah, which is real estate investing because you're using real estate and you're collecting rent from it. (laughs) You know, you're uh, just renting out by the day. So my uh, business partner, Joe, he got married at a wedding venue like that where you just you brought in your own caterer, you brought in your own flowers. Everything was brought in. You just rented the space and they had cabins, too, where your family members or whoever could rent those cabins out from them, too. So that seems like it would be kind of similar to your setup, but they even had to get their own insurance too. So that was a low cost for the property owners for them because they had every person that came in bring their own liability insurance on top of theirs too. So it really kept their their overhead down. Yeah, it seems like it could be a promising deal. Uh, that's so that's one that we're, we're exploring. The other two are, are actual motels that we're, we're pretty excited about. But um, I guess part of the struggle that I'm facing right now is the financing portion of kind of taking down some of these deals. You know, when you're looking at some of these older assets that are poorly run, actually all three of these haven't really been operated much in the last like 
12 months. Like the owners have just kind of, I don't know if it was because of COVID or if for whatever reason, but they just kind of like shut the doors and said, you know, we're not going to, we're going to partially operate or we're not going to fully operate. So typically when you go to get a commercial loan um, on an asset like that, a bank's going to want to see the previous 12 months, you know, your income, your expenses, what, you know, what the net operating income was and something like that. And if you don't have that, at least from the few banks that I've spoken with already, it becomes a kind of a big challenge to lend on something like that. So I got to kind of dig my feet in, do a little bit more homework to figure out the financing portion of it. I feel fairly confident that, you know, these are ranging between like 2 million, I think to like 5 million bucks. So could we raise the entire money to go out and buy that? I think so. But my thought process is, bank debt is much cheaper than raising money from other investors, right? Because other investors are going to want a pretty good return on their money. Whereas a bank, you can get four or five, six, seven percent, you know, depending on what kind of loan you're getting on the commercial side. So I just got to dig my feet in and figure out how we're going to finance these if we do decide to move forward with them. Yeah, that's the same issue I'm running into too. And I'm putting myself in a position where it's like, okay, put in the offer and then I'll figure it out because I have to figure it out. I have no excuse, (laughs) (laughs) but I just, I know I have these different options, but it's the same, this one deal where the property hasn't been operating for a year and a half. So there's no income. It was foreclosed on. So there's no financial records at all because the owner is not giving them up and anything else he had has been seized by the IRS that was actually on the property. So yeah, that does make it difficult. Yeah. Let's talk about your deals, Ash, and then we can kind of go back and forth because I'm sure there's some similar challenges between both of ours. So, so give us the update. What are some of the deals you're looking at and what are some of the challenges around them? So the first deal that I have under a contract, I've been having under a contract for a year and a half now. And I feel like, literally so since bad. I met you, you've been talking about the same <laughs> property. <laughs> it's like the one property my husband wants to buy. And it's another farm. And it's been a year and a half. The guy was going to go into foreclosure. So we've been working with him and the bank to try and buy it. We tried to do a short sale where we negotiate with the bank and purchase it. But we wanted to purchase it for less than what was owed to the bank and owed for back taxes. So we couldn't do a short sale and the bank wasn't willing to work with us. And then we decided to do a subject two, where we are actually going to take over his mortgage payments and the property will be deeded to us. So now there's just been a couple issues that come up. So the the landowner, his ex-wife, we needed to get her off of the deed while she started to file bankruptcy. So we had to wait for that to be all finalized before we could get her off of the deed. And then since that time, more back taxes have accumulated. So we actually just made a payment the other day to pay off the back taxes, get caught up on that. And uh, now we are just waiting for like the final numbers as to what needs to be paid to the bank to get the mortgage caught up, what our monthly payment will be. And then hopefully by the end of the year, we will own this property and we will probably hold on to his mortgage for at least probably a year. And then we'll actually go and refinance it. There are uh, two single family houses on the property and one mobile home that are collecting rent. So there's, I know, uh, one of the single family houses needs to have some mold remediation and different things done, and then we can go refinance. But yeah, so that's uh, the one deal. Yeah, well, let, let's break something down because you mentioned that you were purchasing this subject to, that you were doing this as a sub two deal. Break that down for the rookies. What does that mean? 
Yeah. So that's when you take over the mortgage payments for the landowner. So you can quick claim deed the property into your name, but the mortgage, they never switch the mortgage out of their name or, you know, pay off their mortgage. You just basically could log into their login for their bank account and or their mortgage and you make the payments from your bank account. So some of the things that could go wrong with this is that the lender could call the mortgage due because the deed has transferred. It's no longer in that person's name. The rumors out there are that as long as the mortgage payment is being made, that the bank isn't going to notice. One thing you can also do is make sure that the insurance policy has the mortgage holder's name on it. And you could still keep their name on the deed. So that's what our attorney is doing, which I'm not an attorney, so I can't give legal advice. But my attorney is keeping the landowner's name on the deed and then he having him sign a separate deed that when we do go to refinance him out, it will put us solely onto that deed. So there's different ways to do it definitely consult an attorney to help you with this paperwork. If you go into the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group, Kevin Christensen, uh, you will see his name pop up because he's one of our super active, awesome members. He does a lot of subject to deals and that's how I learned. And then also Bigger Pockets is having an episode. It might've already aired right around the time this one will air with uh, Pace Morby. And he's going to talk all about subject to. So they will definitely be a lot better resource if you guys are interested in this than me. Gotcha. So there is light at the end of the tunnel, though, Ashley, that this deal will finally close. It's almost like a race at this point to see if this deal will close first or if I'll be able to sell my house in Shreveport because they, they're <laughs> yeah. both taking about the same amount of time. Right, right. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> OK, so then my next deal, I just got under contract last week. It's three acres and it's a little cabin and just need some rehab, some love into it. So I am going to fix that up and then flip it. My dad is really trying to convince me to keep it as a short-term rental because it is right near a go-kart track and he is gung-ho on getting my boys racing this year. And he's like, we could just stay there on the weekends then. But then I'm not going to have any short-term rental income if he's there yeah. all the time. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's uh, my newest one. And then tomorrow I'm actually going to look at one on the same road that's five acres on a small little cabin too. So I'm excited about those. Let's see what else. Oh, and then my most favorite property. How could I forget about this? I have uh, 30 acres under contract. It has three ponds and two cabins and it's super close to my house. So I'm actually going to turn one of the cabins into my office. And I got it under contract about a month ago, all cash. So we're expecting a 30 day close. I've had a contractor there. I have everything ready to start the rehab as soon as we close. Well, I just found out the other day, two days ago, that the property has a right of first refusal, which I did know as soon as they accepted my offer, they did tell me that. And then they said, don't send your deposit in. Let us give this person time to perform on the right of first refusal. So a right of first refusal is something, an, a deed that states that somebody has the option to purchase that property at the price that somebody else is willing to pay. So for example, if I have a property and Tony, maybe Tony sold it to me and this is what happened in this situation. Tony sells it to me and he says, but I'll sell it to you at this price, but I want right of first refusal if you ever decide to sell it again. 
So then Tony's name would go into the deed saying that he has right of first refusal upon sale of the property. So then I go out and I get Joe who says, Ashley, I will pay you $200,000 for this property. I have to then go to Tony and say, I have an offer to $200,000. Can you perform on this? And then usually a right of first refusal will have the contract will have stipulations in it. Like you have 48 hours or you have a certain amount of time to actually perform and come up with the money to match that person's offer or they get to go ahead and I would get to accept Joe's offer. So in this case, the person did not perform. So I sent in my deposit. We're moving forward. And then they just found out that the person who had the right of first refusal is actually suing them. So now it is going to litigation and my contract is on hold. So that really stinks. I was really excited about this property and really wanted to get it closed before winter to do a couple things and get my office going over the winter. But it doesn't look like that will happen. We have no idea how long litigation will take on the property. So are you are you rescinding your offer or are you just going to no, wait no, it I'm out? No, no, I'm keeping it. I still, yeah, I'm going to wait it out. I did, I put in a $10,000 deposit. So I am asking that they return 9000 and leave 1000 there just because we don't know how long this could take. And $9,000, I can put out, down a lot of other deposits. <laughs> Go do some other stuff with, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And plus they did tell me that it was no longer an issue. The right of first refusal was gone. The lady didn't perform. It was a non-issue. So the fact that they had kind of misled me and I guess not intentionally, but so we'll see if I get some of that back, but I'm going to hold on. I still really want the property. Man. Crazy, crazy New York, huh? So now you got two properties that are like, oh, who, you know, I guess it'll be like a three-way race now between your two properties and my street yeah. house. So I know. Hopefully nothing comes up with this little cabin property. <laughs> yeah. And then my last offer, hopefully will get accepted today or tomorrow. There's two offers. It's for a large campground. It hasn't been active for a year and a half. It was a foreclosure. So I've been working with the bank. And this property is amazing. And it, it has a 20 acre pond, 700 acres, has like 16 brand new cabins, 80 RV hookups. So I've been working on this with a partner, gone to the property twice. We started out with like a very low offer, half of what they were asked, the bank was actually asking. And then we found out all this information on the property. I actually found out who the maintenance guy was on that property for 37 years. And I paid him a hundred bucks and he met me and took me around the property for three hours. I mean, he could point at a building and tell you exactly all the mechanics of it, the square footage of it, when it was built, what it needs done to it. And so I was actually, after that, I was actually able to up my offer close to asking. And so now I'm just waiting it out to see, but some limitations I've had with that is with this offer, I'm going to have to, to raise money or get partners on it. And the bank has stated that they want at least 10% down. And I don't have enough of my own money to put that down right away. So I'm hoping that's not the only limitation like that's the reason they say no to my offer but we will see can we dig into that because you're saying that your your bank is giving you 90 percent loan to value on an asset no the bank that owns it right now it's a foreclosure so they're willing to sell it at 90 percent of what 
the other guy owes or they're willing to let you no, assume his they more? want my earnest money to be 10% of the purchase oh, price. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I missed the earnest money. Okay, I was going to say, how the heck are you? Okay, so but let's talk about the financing portion then, right? Because you're, you and I are both in similar situations um, where we're looking at some of these assets that haven't been active. What's your plan to finance this property that's been sitting empty for a year and a half? Yeah, so there's no bank financing available. I am talking with an SBA lender, though, and he thinks there may be an option that after I close, like to refinance out of a private investor or something like that, or money partners to do an SBA loan that it might work. So I am working with him on that to see if there's some kind of thing we can work out. And then I... um also have thought about taking on equity partners, giving them equity for money they put into the deal. And then I also was recently introduced to crowdfunding and looking at getting a a ton of partners, I guess. And so I'm really digging into that more. And I think we should do an episode on it because I'm not too clear yet as to how exactly it works. But I do think that this is uh, too small of a deal to do a full syndication on. That it's just not worth the time and money it costs to start and do a, a syndication. And then my last option is to do private money, have someone be a private money lender on the deal, which actually would be my most favorite one because then I don't have to take on any partners and I'd have full control. Yeah, so we're, we're in a very similar boat. There's a small motel here in Southern California in the Lake City that we're, we're really, I'm really infatuated with, but same thing. It's, it's been not operated very well there. They don't have good financials, so it's not super bankable. And I'm hoping, or I'm leaning towards potentially just trying to raise private money to cover the entire purchase as well. So I don't know if that SBA thing works out for you, I guess, let me know and how <laughs> kind of, I'll kind of follow suit and, and see what you did. What what other challenges, Ashley, are you seeing as you try and take down some of these bigger deals? Oh, limited mindset. Like Ooh, thinking talk about to that. myself. Yeah. yeah, thinking to myself like, wow, okay, well, if this deal doesn't go through, I won't have a lot of work to do. So that's a positive. <laughs> but I don't want that to hold me back. I don't want that like temptation of, well, it'll be easier if I don't get this deal to be the reason I don't work as hard as I can to try to get the deal. But the biggest thing will be, you know, so many new things for me is raising money. I've never had to do that. I've been very fortunate to have very low cost deals, (laughs) I guess, where it's not a huge amount of money where I've been able to use my line of credits or uh, private money from a few people. So that will definitely be a challenge for me to overcome, but I think that I can do it. I know that I can do it. And then just a whole new asset class for me, mm-hmm. campgrounds. But I worked really hard on my business plan and putting my numbers together. And I I have to say that I'm actually very confident and excited more than I am nervous about going into the deal. That's awesome. And a lot of what you said, Ashley, are, are the same kind of emotions I'm dealing with as well. You know, I've never purchased anything in the millions of dollars before. So to kind of play in that ballpark is, I think, just the price tag. You get a little bit of sticker shock. But and same, you know, I think there's always a nervous, a, a bit of nervousness when you're raising a lot of money from people and they're trusting in you to make sure that that asset performs the way that you told them that it would. So there's always a little bit of fear around that as well. But like you said, I think it's a bit of a limiting belief and 
as long as we're diligent and I'd say conservative to an extent in our underwriting, like we should be able to, to knock it out the park. So I'm glad that we're both moving at the same pace, you know, and that we're, we're kind of going along this, this path together. I know, uh, Tony, we're the best, yeah. <laughs> the best real estate besties. Yeah. Either, so either, either we're going in the right direction or, you know, three months from now, we'll both be fired from bigger pockets because we made these really bad investments. <laughs> and now there's two new hosts on this show. So, well, you know what we'll do with the last dollars that we have? We'll blow it at a Vegas pool party together yeah. and go down together. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's Rookie Reply. Make sure you guys send us a message on Instagram or in the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group and let us know what deals you guys are working on and what challenges you need. You guys can call and leave us a voicemail too at one. 1- Eight 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 five rookie and we may play it on the show. We love to hear your questions, but also what are you struggling with and what do you need? What can we help you guys with? Because you guys definitely help us so much. Ever since I started talking about campgrounds, I cannot even tell you guys how much I appreciate all the deals you guys have been sending me and the resources. So thank you guys so much. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson on Instagram. And we'll see you guys back on Wednesday. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals. Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.